Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for the privilege opening your word tonight. A wonderful hymn, that. I'd forgotten that hymn. It was such a lovely hymn. We'll take our Bibles tonight and turn to the book of John, chapter 15, verses 3 to 5. John, chapter 15, verses 3 to 5. I want to preach a message on that word, abide. That word, abide. John chapter 15, verses 3 to 5, reads, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to be in your house tonight and thank you for the chance to open your word and to speak a word in season. And we pray, Lord, that you'll fill us with the Holy Spirit that we can have understanding, that you will lead and guide through our time together and, Lord, that we can receive a blessing from your word tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We live in such a fast-paced society. You just think how fast the past week has gone. Uh, and everyone wants quick results. Much time and money is spent on trying to save, uh, save time, to do things faster, to do things more efficiently with less effort. Sounds a bit like the thought that's going into AI at the moment. People are, are hurrying through the more mundane tasks so they can move on to something that they consider to be more important. Their to-do lists are longer than the time they have to get them ticked off. And few people today will spend meaningful time anywhere with anyone. And when we take inventory of our personal walk with God, I don't think I'm out of line in saying that we need a, a revival of meaningful time with God. Now let me ask a few questions straight off the bat. Hypothetically, what if for one day Jesus Christ was your shadow? Like a silhouetted image on the wall. He followed your every move. How would you act? What would you say? Would you ask for his help as you started work? If you had to make a tough decision, would you seek his advice first? If you came across someone you knew in the course of your day, would you introduce Jesus Christ into the conversation as your saviour? Or how about this one? If your current prayer life was transcribed into a conversation with Jesus Christ, how long would it last? And if the answers to these questions are a bit hard to take tonight, then I think we all need to ask God to help us to take something from this message on what it means to abide in Christ. The disciples of Jesus Christ were common men, yet they learned how to abide with the Saviour. So why can't we, the so-called educated people of 2023 in Sydney town, why can't we do the same? So let's look at John chapter 15 tonight and I'll read, I won't read the whole passage of scripture from verses 1 to 11, but if you look at verse 4, 
Abide in me and I in you, Jesus says, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Here we find the secret to abiding in Christ. It's in these verses that Jesus explains the relationship between God and man, the divine and the human. I am the vine, ye are the branches. So the secret is simply this. Jesus Christ wants to spend time with us more than we imagine. Yes, time, our most valued commodity. He wants it from us. And as we've just spent time remembering his death and sacrifice on our behalf during the Lord's Supper, we've noted that he deserves it. He loves us. He died for us. The least we can do is abide with him. Amen? Now we'll come back to the book of John, but let's go to Luke chapter 24 and verses 28 and 29 just for a moment. Luke chapter 24 verses 28 and 29. Here's these two people going along to the village and they drew nigh unto the village whither they went and he made as though he would have gone further but they constrained him, this is the Lord Jesus, they didn't know it was him, saying, Abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent and he went in to tarry with them. The two disciples that Jesus spoke with on the day of his resurrection, they didn't recognise him as the Saviour but they knew they wanted to spend, to him to stay with them, to spend time with them. And it should be the great want of our hearts to be in such close fellowship with Jesus that we are constantly aware of his presence. The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. The Christian life must be lived in close communion with Jesus for he is the source of our strength, our hope and our victory. Amen. So what does that word abide actually mean? There are thousands of words in the English language but I'm guessing that you didn't use the word abide in a sentence last week. We all have our phrases like let's go uh, or can you just hurry up and the one that my family favourite at the moment is when I say hooroo, uh, we tend to use phrases that keep us moving along. But words like abide usually escape us. Webster's Dictionary defines the word abide this way, to remain or settle down. One old Bible dictionary I was looking at today, it, it termed it as an archaic word, which I thought was interesting, but it says to dwell, continue or tarry to wait and our world places such an emphasis on being upwardly mobile that the very thought of staying put or, or maintaining the status quo with something or someone has negative connotations. People are on the move, country to country, relationship to relationship, company to company, spouse to spouse and church to church, sadly. As a result, we're seeing this drift away from God. Fewer people are finding God and even less are abiding in God in a close relationship with him. No wonder people don't feel safe. 
You think about it. The safest place that you can be is in the will of God. Uh, Psalm 91 actually tells us the safest place in the world is a shadow. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, just to be under his shadow. He shall cover you with his feathers. No, he's not a bird or a chicken. And under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. That sounds pretty safe to me. Now let's go back to John chapter 15, verses 3 to 5. The Lord Jesus Christ said no fewer than eight times in this passage that little word abide, abide in me, remain with me, settle down into a relationship with me. Let it be normal and natural that we commune together day by day and moment by moment. Somewhere between the upper room and the Garden of Gethsemane, quite possibly surrounded by vineyards, Jesus invited his disciples to remain with him. He didn't invite his disciples to try him out or see what it might be like. Remain with him. So what does it mean to abide personally with Jesus Christ? Is it simply a figurative concept or is it something that we can experience and truly enjoy? Well, tonight I want to notice, just I want to highlight three important reasons why we should remember Jesus Christ and try to align our lives to abide with Christ. Things that will hopefully draw us closer to him. Firstly, there is his life. In John chapter 15, verses 1 to 8, there's his life. In verse 1 it says, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And notice those words, I am. Jesus, he's not presenting himself merely as another way or another religion. The words I am, they're very powerful words in the Bible. Earlier in the book of John, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He declared, I am the light of the world. He also said, I am the door. And in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus' statements are definitive yet they are powerful and exclusive. His claims are supreme and when you enter his presence, you're entering into the greatest presence in the universe. Think about that. He said, I am the true vine. That word true means genuinely true. He's not a false vine or just another vine. He's the genuine article, the true vine. There are many self-proclaimed prophets and saviours and man-made religions in the world today. Some people say it doesn't matter which vine you abide in or which religion you're part of as long as you believe. And sadly, people today will believe in all sorts of strange things. Many people are very religious, counting beads, confessing sins and following strict traditions and and talking about all sorts of weird and wonderful things. And you meet some people when you go door knocking, let me tell you, they've got some theories. But they're abiding in false vines. If we as branches are going to, going to gain sustenance and life, we must abide in the true vine. Amen. Jesus' claims in this passage and throughout the New Testament were exclusive. He basically excludes every religious way to heaven and claimed to be the only truth, the only life, the only saviour. 
when he stepped forward onto history's pages and he declared, I am the true vine. So in this parable, the branches represent the lives of believers, people who share life from the vine. So I guess the question, that if you are having some thoughts about whether you belong in that vine, is have you trusted Jesus Christ as your only saviour? He invites you to come to him in faith and to place 100% of your trust in him to forgive your sins and take you to heaven. His life calls us to salvation. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the creator of the world, who lived a sinless life on this earth, who died on the cross for our sins and rose again for our justification. What a privilege to enter into a personal relationship with him, to accept his invitation to abide in him. To abide with Christ is to abide with God himself. There's no other religion that can offer this kind of a wonderful relationship. And if you're thinking maybe this is not for, for me, well, the invitation is clear in verse 4. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. He's inviting us into his presence. And the way to accept the invitation and enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ is by faith in his finished work. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, Ephesians 2.8. Abiding in Christ begins by putting faith in Jesus Christ, trusting his death, burial and resurrection for the payment of our sins. And when this decision is made, the Bible says you are saved. And from that moment on, you can abide with him in a personal relationship. The Apostle Paul, he used the Greek preposition son uh, to describe this relationship no less than ten times. It means together. That old Bible dictionary said cleave was one of the meanings of abide, cleave unto God. It's not temporary, the relationship, it's not temporary. Some of the newer versions you've got to be careful with because they start talking about being attached to a branch and if the branch is broken off or you break off from the branch, you know, you get away from that. That's not what he's talking about here. It's not a temporary relationship, it's a lifelong journey and it is an eternal journey. And the truth is that as children of God, we're never truly alone either. And even if those who are closest to us turn against us, God never will. As David, who was forsaken by many who he trusted, he wrote, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. So the question is not whether God is there, but whether we are living with a serious, focused realisation that he's there. And you think about it. It's not that God's not there, it's just that we go through our lives in, at such a pace that we just simply forget that he is there. There's that lack of focus that robs Christians of their joy and peace. And those are found when we know that he is with us. Oh yes, that, that thing happened and well, it's no big deal because God's in control and okay, I couldn't go there, but that's all right because God's in control so I can go here and I just follow him and he's leading and you have that joy and you have that peace and we can continue to abide in Jesus Christ when we spend time with him in the word of God. In John 1.1, the Bible says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. When you spend time in God's word, you're spending time in God's presence. Don't miss that. You're abiding with him. His word is alive and powerful and will change your life as you allow its truths to flow 
into your heart. Don't miss that quiet time in the morning. A Christian who only receives spiritual food once or twice a week cannot expect to be healthy and fruitful. We can also abide with the Lord through prayer. James 4.8 Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. God invites us to come boldly into his presence and to ask according to his will. He desires to hear and answer our prayers every single day, not just Wednesday night at prayer meeting. No, although that's a great time to bring your prayers in, every day. It's when we live with the awareness of the presence of God that the devil gets upset. It takes more than a couple of hours per week to be a godly Christian who impacts on the world. It takes sustained time in his presence. Because if you remember in the book of Acts, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marvelled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Acts 4.13 We can also abide in Christ through trials. In 1 Peter 1.7 the Bible is clear that trials of our faith can become very precious if they draw us closer to God. Um, and we talked about this a little bit in the men's class this morning as we get illnesses in, in our older age, they should draw us closer to God and help us to focus on, on what God is doing. And people who don't have the Lord, they just can't understand this and often they, they just turn to alcohol or drugs or sin just to cope with the, what they consider to be the hardships of life. But we, as Christians, we can turn to a closer walk with the Lord a branch is good for only one thing, and that's bearing fruit. It may be weak in itself, but if it has a living relationship with the vine, it can be productive. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. To abide in Christ means to be in communion with him so that our lives please him. We know that we are abiding <coughs> when the Father prunes us, cutting away the good so that we can produce the best fruit. We glorify God with fruit, more fruit and much fruit. How can Jesus Christ abide in us? He abides in us through the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 2.20, Paul wrote, Christ liveth in me. When we receive Christ as Saviour, God's Holy Spirit came into our lives and it's this Spirit which abides with us every moment of every day until we meet the Lord. That's why Jesus Christ alone can say, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now secondly, to notice about Jesus Christ is his love. Verses 9 to 17, wonderful truths from the, uh, the passages of Scripture. In verse 9, the Bible reads, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. You know, we're living in a world that's just starving for love. Seriously, they're just starving for it. Now, they might cry out, love is love, but they have no idea what constitutes real love sacrificial love, love that endures, love that goes through everything. In this verse, Jesus invites us to abide with him so that we might experience his powerful love. What a promise. The kind of love that Jesus offers is vastly different from the world's definition because it is eternal love. In 1 John 4 verse 10, the Bible reads, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. God loved us even before we were born, before the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ loves us with an everlasting and a limitless love 
One's not based on our performances, our perfection or our power to earn it. God loves us because he created us. He desires for us to personally experience that love when we abide with him in a close relationship. God's love is also perfect, unconditional, totally accepting. Some fear it some fear is always built into human love. You think about it, the fear of rejection, not being accepted, many people fear that. But in 1 John 4.18 reads, perfect love casteth out fear. God's love gives complete security in the presence of Jesus Christ. We don't have to fear whether he loves us or accept us. His perfect love casts out fear. And God's love is unchanging. It's a love that goes on forever. Nothing can separate you and I from his wonderful love. No power on earth can pull you out of his hand. He will never change his mind about you. He loves you with all of his heart today and forever. In Romans 8.35, Paul said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? For I am persuaded, he went on in verse 38 and 39, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Love and joy go together and make it easy for us to obey his will. We should love him, love his will and love one another. Simple as that. Note the fruit of spirit, fruit of the spirit is love, joy and peace. And then thirdly tonight there is his name. Uh, in verses 18 to 27 of John chapter 15. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Jesus Christ's name is something that we need to abide with. We enjoy the love of Christ and of the brethren, but we also must endure, we must remain, that, and remember that hatred of the wor- world is for his name's sake. And that's especially important when you go out door knocking because you can get discouraged. If you mention the name of Jesus Christ and they close the door in your face, you might think, oh, it's something I said. Yes, it was something you said. You mentioned the name of Jesus Christ. And they are offended at that name. They're not so much offended at you. So keep that in mind that they hated Christ's disciples because they bore his name and lifted up his name in the world. And today when you go out there, you will find opposition. It's the character of Christ's disciples that they stand up for his name. And Pastor preached on being a witness this morning. It takes some backbone these days to go out there. You could be rejected and for some people they don't like that. But that's the name of Jesus Christ. Just remember they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting him. And they will be held accountable for that. And it's common for those who uphold Christ's name to suffer. Sometimes hard things. The more we are like Christ, the more the world system will oppose us. But if we suffer with Christ and for Christ, we shall reign with him according to the scriptures. And that should encourage us. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be fruitful and faithful. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't remove his Holy Spirit from us today? Jesus told his disciples that the Spirit of God would abide with them forever. And when the Holy Spirit came into our lives at conversion, he sealed that salvation. It can't be lost. 
He's the witness that you are a child of God and assures you that you belong to Christ. And as such, we should be workers together with God. There's that word again, together. Son, as Paul described it in the Greek. As just like the disciples of old, it should encourage us when we come up against the hatred and contempt of this world. Christ honoured and owned them. Those best able to bear witness for Christ have themselves been with him by faith, hope and love and by living a life of communion with God. In 1 John 2:24, the Bible reads, Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. The Christian life is a marathon, it is not a sprint. Jesus told a parable about the, th- the different kinds of soil that produced a different response when the same seed was sown into them. In Matthew chapter 13 and verses 5 to 6, you probably are familiar with these verses about the kind of soil. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth and when the sun was up they were scorched and because they had no root they withered away. The seed in the stony ground initially looked like it would produce a rich harvest as the plants grew quickly. But because the seedlings that sprung up were not well rooted, they shriveled away when the heat of the sun fell on them. Let's not be like that. Let's not shrivel away when the heat of battle comes upon us. In Psalms 37, David wrote, I've seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a a native grain tree. Yet he passed away and behold, he was no more. He could not be found. The powerful are rooted in this world. They are like a tree that looks strong and stable. One day a storm comes and blows that tree over. It's then cut up for kindling and is gone. And if you are rooted in this world, you have no security. Everything here is temporary and it's downright scary. Talk to some of the people from Hawaii at the moment. Things are temporary. But if you're rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ, then your life has the permanence of eternity. There is peace. Don't envy the powerful or those whose names are all over the social media. Don't worry about what happens with that crowd. God tells us what happens. They could not be found. They were gone. But he who does the will of God abides forever. That's why it's so important for us to live for the Lord. Tonight, Jesus Christ is holding out his nail-pierced hands to us. We've just had the Lord's Supper. He is saying to us, he's saying to those who have never put their faith in him firstly, come to me, let me be your saviour, I am the true vine. And he's saying to us, the majority here who have put their faith in Jesus Christ already, he's saying that word, abide. Abide in me. I am the supreme God. I have an amazing love to give you that you cannot find anywhere else. Abide in me and let me abide in you. Walk with me. Cling to me. Settle down with me. Just stay a while with me. What a wonderful invitation from a wonderful saviour. I'll finish with this. I, I read about an evangelist this week, Pastor, who was preaching in Aberdeen, Scotland. 
His host took him around the city, showing him the, the ancient buildings and the fine architecture. Then they came to a poorer part of the town and the guide pointed out to him that there was a room where this elderly widow lived in poverty. But she was known throughout the town for her love for Jesus. And he went in to talk to her and he said, uh, they tell me that the Lord Jesus Christ visits this place. And she, no, you're wrong, she said. Thinking that uh, she hadn't heard him correctly, he repeated the statement a bit louder and he said, they tell me the Lord Jesus Christ visits this place. She said again, no, you're wrong. Deciding this, well, she, obviously she can't hear what I'm saying. And so he changed his tack and he said, does the Lord visit your home? Shaking her head, she said, no, you're wrong. And pointing to her heart, she said, he abides here. He abides here. Did you hear what I said? He abides here. Does he abide here with you and I? These things are possible. If you want a life of close communion with God and we all should desire a closer walk with God, it's possible to have that. Remember his life. What a life. Remember his love. What a love. What a love for us. And remember his name. The name above all names. How will you respond to his call tonight? Let's pray. Heavenly Father,